Welcome to the Line to Gain Show podcast, where we are reviewing week five of the NFL Draft. This is episode six of season two. I said NFL Draft. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. Take two. Welcome back to the Line to Gain Show podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Uh, We are on episode six, reviewing week five from the 2022 NFL season. Uh, Mike, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be back on the podcast, uh, taking a look at uh, all the th- bets that I screwed up this week. So, <laughs> yeah, did I not. Even, I, I, I did highlighted not have it in red just to like really hammer it home how bad I am. Oh gosh, man! All right, well, you want to lead off then with your yeah, your man. Bets? Let's let's grab our sports almanac and go back to the future. See if oh, we can man. kind of win some money here. That's always been my like. That's, that's what dream. I would. That's what that is what that I possible, would do if I had a freaking in, time machine. That is what I would do. Hundred percent. Get a sports almanac. I would probably do money. some. I'd probably do some other really cool stuff, but that is number one on my list. I, I would know. hate to see what your timeline looks like. It's oh got to be gosh. worse than Biff's. Oh man, you don't even want to know. All right. All right. So, so I started off with another horrible bet. Now this was looking okay. All right, Seattle plus five and a half at New Orleans. Um, I really thought that we were going to be able to move the ball, which we did. Yeah, well, you were right on. I was shocked. Yeah. I was absolutely shocked. <clears throat> so, uh, I, but the defense, not the inability to stop the run ultimately, and I got some more kind of comments uh, as we, later on on this, but the D can't stop anyone. I mean, that's just my takeaway from this. Um, obviously, we I lost th- that. I think I read Lost that, the game and I lost the bet. Yeah, I think I read that Seattle's in the last four games has given up more points than at any other time in their history of any other four game stretch in their history. Yeah. So that's pretty terrible. They're the worst team in uh, defensive uh, efficiency. Yeah. So pretty bad. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, what was next? Um, I had um, New York giants at green Bay uh, minus eight and a half. I was just like, I, I tuned in. I, I was camping at the time. So I kind of like woke up on Sunday morning as we were kind of packing up and I like looked at, it, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You texted me at one point and said, like, uh, I can't believe you this. said, I'm going to have to retake. I'm going to have to relook at your Aaron Rodgers take. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like Danny dimes and Saquon Barkley. I had, I, I can't even name another player on that team. And Sterling Shepard still play for them, but he's hurt. Oh, um, yeah, Thibodeau. He's hurt too, though, I think, right? Uh, he played. Did he? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I just – I don't know what's going on with that team. I think we can kind of talk about it a little bit later again, but I, I was yeah. really off about you know Green Bay's ability to stop an already destroyed New York Giants offense. And um, I don't know. They have really good players. I read this didn't, article. Didn't, uh, I'm pretty sure I watched most of the game, but I was kind of like dozing off as I was watching it. Because I'd stayed up late to watch the F1 race in Japan on uh, Saturday night. You are committed. To oh, this I am, shit. man. This I life. love it. I watch everyone. Um, <laughs> but I, I was so I was like dead tired. And I kind of woke up at about around like the end of the second quarter, and um, yeah, and the, I'm pretty sure in like the end of the second quarter that Saquon Barkley like hurt himself, and they pulled him out of the game for almost a quarter and then he came back and just went off in the fourth and ended up winning the game for him. But yeah, I really wish I would have put some, I had a good feeling about it and I just, I was going to put money on it anyway. And I just like talked myself out of it. Um, you know, thinking, well, green Bay is going to bounce back here and they just did not. So 
Yeah, my comment on this was like, cap, like what? That I mean, that's when I looked at it. That's what I said in my mind. Like what? Yeah, the what two the two New York here? teams are like seven and three or eight and two or something. I don't know. I think as the year goes on, that'll even itself out, and those teams will kind of you know regress to the mean. Um, but you know, right now they're looking pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's good to see. I think it's good for the NFL when there's a decent team in New York. All right, my next one is Atlanta at Tampa Bay. I had them minus eight and a half, and I took the over at 48 and a half. My theory behind this was is that Atlanta had been putting up like anywhere between 24 and 25 points like every week. So I thought they could score enough points to get that, that, um, that over get that point total up and i figure if they had if they had to score 21 23 points that you know brady and the bucks had to score 28 you know 30 point 31 points right to, to get it there and what was the final score i don't was, like, i really didn't pay much it was like attention 21 to 15 so i i believe okay. it was like a six point differential so you covered then on that i one. didn't because it was minus eight and a half oh so i was just, oh so you took tampa minus eight and a half yeah gotcha gotcha okay um yeah, well, and so and did and so the over didn't hit either. Then nope. Oh man, I just got obliterated. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst when you catch two L's on the same game. Well, that's not the last time it happened because I also put San Francisco minus six and a half uh, at Carolina, and I took the under at thirty-eight and a half. Um, I thought Carolina's D was competitive throughout the first four games. Uh, they were top ten in defensive defensive efficiency. I don't know what happened here. Um, and we'll discuss some things, uh, my observations about this particular game in, in, in um, Carolina a little bit more as we as we go through the podcast. But I was I hit I lot I missed um, both the uh, well actually I won the minus six and a half with San Francisco, so okay. I won I won that leg. But um, the under thirty eight and a half, I just I had, did not expect with that that solid of a defense. I thought it was just going to be a defensive matchup. I didn't think that that um, it was going to be so high scoring. I didn't think that uh, San Francisco was going to hang a thirty burger on on Carolina. So okay, off there. And then finally this week, uh, Las Vegas at Kansas City. I was almost like, all right, this is my win. At, I had Kansas City minus seven and a half. Like looking at the Raiders, I was just like, this team is not good enough to hang with it. And then. You know, KC won. If I would have had the money line, KC, I would have been cool. I, I actually bet on that game. Um, and I, I know I didn't pick it on our on the podcast here, but I did bet on that one. And would I, you, I bet it have? on the money line. Because so, I was just, I told you that I was I was worried. I, I was like, the Raiders' backs are against the wall. And yep. I just, I'm concerned that, that they're going to come I just out thought, I thought at, at, at Arrowhead yeah. versus one of the best offenses in, in the league, with a with a, a decent defense, you don't need a great defense to stop, you know, uh, Carr, Derek Carr. I almost said David, Derek Carr. Um, so I just thought I thought the, I thought seven points, you know, basically more than a touchdown was well within. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. I, I I figured it was too, but I just was like I, I didn't didn't feel great I figured they'd win around a touchdown anything over a touchdown always scares me off in, in betting situations though so I basically so. dropped 500 this week in my fake bets I'm betting a hundred per um, so I lost 500 in the total right now between last week and this week you know what we've been counting well we decided to start counting I'm, I'm, I'm minus 800 
So I don't feel so bad because I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and he's pulling his hair out trying to figure out this as well. So um, I don't feel so bad. Um, And I think my logic is sound. I just don't think um, the teams are following my logic. So somehow I can can get word to them to listen to me. So, all right. Well, my my, uh, losses this week or my, my bet results... So I, I did. I took the Titans minus two and a half against Washington, okay. um, which if Carson Wentz wasn't the worst quarterback in the NFL and threw an interception he's fourth on fourth in passing yards. This, that's insane. The, yeah, he's crazy. It's like 1,400 but, yards. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I guess that's like batting average being a relevant but it's, it's stat a cla- anymore. Exactly. It's a classic case of, man, he's putting up numbers, but for it's some reason it's teams, not translating. Yeah. yeah. Through an interception on the goal line, thank the Lord, because otherwise I would have – would I would have not – they had, I think they had the ball like first and uh, and goal at the two or something like that. That's and I was like, I'm done. Like, I this bet's gonna lose too. But anyway, pulled it out. Tennessee got the interception on the goal line and uh, sealed the sealed the victory for me at three points. I think they ended up winning by. Um, I also I bet Jacksonville minus seven against Houston. I really should have listened to you Ooh. because they yeah Houston ended up winning by seven. I was like, I was just hoping for a push by the end. You know in the fourth quarter when it's, you know, six to six or whatever. And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm starting to question Trevor Lawrence now two games in a row. He's not, not really look like a a top notch quarterback. I agree with you. It looks like that. uh, My hot take with him being a top eight quarterback is taking a bit of a hit right now, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you know, guys hit sophomore slumps. I'm not, I'm not ready to write him off by any means, but uh, was a little bummed out by that one. Um, it's just the way he's missing. You know, he's fumbled four times, which hadn't happened in like a hundred years. Um, and then he he can't. He's making throws into places he shouldn't make throws. He's not seeing the field the way that I think he should see the field. No. I, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, you know. Yeah, and then my uh, my last pick there was. Uh, I'm a moron. I, I took Pittsburgh plus 14 against Buffalo. And so I'm watching the Seahawks game because they're playing in the early window. And I'm just – my whole logic on that one was that, well, Kenny That's Pickett – That's a lot of points, though. It's a lot of points. And I was like, Kenny Pickett is a young quarterback. Maybe he's going to breathe a little energy into this offense and get, get – you know, that happens quite a bit when a guy starts his first game. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just didn't translate. I, I saw on the uh, – yeah, on the the scores flashing across the bottom of the Seahawks game, it's like thirty-one to three or something like that. Just like late up in the third quarter, it's just garbage. So, <laughs> anyway, so I did make those three bets in, and so I was two and one. Good. Or I mean, one and two. Sorry, I was two and one last a week. A win's a win. So I'm three and three. I'm so I'm basically even. I'm You're at in zero. Yeah, I'm zero good, right now. I'm work. zeroed out. But I did this last week, though, I did in my actual bets. So I did make, I bet $10 on each of these three games. Um, but I also bet $10 on the under for the worst game I think I've ever watched, on, which was the Thursday night football game mm-hmm. between Denver and Indianapolis. I just, I was like, there's no way that this thing's going over 42 points. Like, we were in transit. <laughs> I missed that entire game. We, we drove up um, to the campsite. Oh, man. On Thursday you, night. I the, feel like I didn't miss the Ru- the Russell Wilson hate though was was I mean it's, I can't imagine that anybody so had fulfilling. a good time I don't know what I, yeah I, don't I know can't imagine anyone had a good time watching that game except for Seahawks fans it's just it's amazing yeah um, so I won ten on that um, 
So I guess that brought me up to even on the week, um, just in my own personal bets. And then I did, I bet uh, Baltimore, I try, I was trying to chase some, some uh, last minute dollars. I bet, uh, I bet 25 bucks on Baltimore minus three and a half against Cincinnati. So I lost that one. Um, they only won by two, right? Right. And then uh, I did get, then I got the Kansas City money line, um, which I bet $100. No, I bet $50 on that. Sorry. And betting on the money line, though, you only win like 15 bucks back. So you're 50 bucks back plus $15. Yeah. So I got, I at least, you know, was only down $10 well, at the end of the week. It's plus seven and a half bucks, right? Because it's. What's that? Never mind. Oh, yeah. No. Well, yeah. Because so Kansas City on the money line was like minus 357 or oh, something okay, like okay. that. So, uh, it, yeah. So it ended up, by betting 50, you only get back like 14 or $16 or something like that. So, yeah. anyway, so I was down 10 on the week, and uh, but I had a good time. So I'm not, not complaining. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. Like, I'm not putting it in my own money, and I'm not betting money i mean this if, I, if i'm betting on like 500 dollars a week i'm, I'm a, right it's, it's no, I'm, yeah, I, i've never do i have a dog i have a dog with allergies that. i got like weird stuff like i would do it, you know that, i have a it's child not, it's, it's I, not gonna I can't, work can't in my that. life so it's fun to kind of just like put the money out there and i do care <laughs> right you know i'm really trying to make this work but yeah you're you know, not trying to go over yeah it's not like season. i don't care and i'm just like <laughs> throwing a dart at something i'm really using some logic here Okay. So is that that is the review of our you know ineptitude at gambling for week five, right? Right. Okay. So one of the things I I wasn't able to like do the in depth like review of the games real time this week because as you know I was out uh, camping. Um, so I went ahead and I I looked at all of the sixteen games and I made like a a, a statement or two observation. So okay. when when I touch on a on a team that you kind of wanted to to touch on, just yeah. you know, obviously jump in and let me know. So the yeah, first, for sure. So the and first, uh, I just want to say I didn't, especially in the afternoon games on Sunday, I did not pay much attention at all because understandable. Seahawks played in the morning. Those I did. Catch. It was almost eighty degrees on yeah. Sunday afternoon here in in uh, Western Washington. So I was. Uh, not glued to the TV in the afternoon, but just anyway, soaking yeah. some rays yeah, out yeah, on let's, the back porch. Uh, yeah, let's let's get into it, man. All right, so Indian Indianapolis at Denver, they both were who we thought they were. I don't know what else to do. They're both bad teams. Neither one of them can really run. Neither one of them can really pass. Neither one of them play particularly good defense. I don't know. Yeah, um, I put down as one of my takeaways from just from the week as a whole. It. The Russell Wilson hate is real, mm. and I'm here for it. There all. you go. Yep. Like that's all. It was so Richard Sherman just screaming flashback or whatever. Would run PTSD, the damn ball. Yeah. PTSD. <laughs> it's so great. The, I watched that clip off the Twitter. Fans, yeah, Denver Broncos fans left that game at the end of the fourth quarter when it was tied. That's how bad that game was. It, it and they were showing like I mean Amazon Prime was showing it all, man. They were showing all the fans. Like booing Russell Wilson, booing the Broncos, and then all the fans walking. I mean, it was unbelievable. What's this new statement? It's Broncos country, let's ride, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Broncos country, let's ride. Dope. And then the other thing, real quick, this guy. So I later that night, I watched his post-game interview or whatever way where he had to face the media. And he's at the podium wearing his full uniform still. Yeah. Shoulder pads, everything. And then the next on Friday, I hear 
that that was like an hour after the game was over. Like, why is he still in full pads? I don't know. I, I, that's so weird, I man. can't even do it anymore. I can't it's litigate so weird. what is going on with in his mind for some of these things. It, I just, just bizarre. He's so disingenuous. I okay, well, we're not going to get this deep into all these games. No, so please. let's, uh, yeah, God, let's no. go on more. Uh, so <laughs> New York Jets at Green Bay. Now, this was in London. Giants at Green Bay. What did I say? Jets. Jets. Yeah, Giants at Green Bay in London. P A N I. C. <laughs> Absolutely, I would be I would be really worried if I was a Packers fan right now because you're you're dropping NFC games to teams like the Giants and I mean I don't I I want the Giants to be good I like uh, Saquon Barkley a lot I like the coach uh, Brian Dable a lot but I don't think that they're a team that's going to be, you know, eight. They're not and two, ready yet. They're not ready yet. Twelve but, and four. Whatever. But they're there. They might be one of those teams that sneak in in a seven seed because they've been able to win certain games. Right. As far as Green Bay goes, I read a great uh, article by Ben Solak from the Ringer, Ringer today about the the Green Bay defense. I remember saying this the other day. They got great players. Like, what's going on? And it's that defensive coordinator. He basically is blaming it on the defensive coordinator not getting the players in position to be able to. Uh, um, to play that defense that they're playing. So I, I hang that a lot on the coaching staff, um, and they need to figure that out. Because if that with, – with Aaron Rodgers trying to figure out what's going on with the receivers, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an actual issue. If, if they don't have that defense mm-hmm. shored up, he's not uh, – Aaron's not going to have the ability to do that and, and really have the flexibility – to kind of try different things with this team and get that offense flowing if that defense isn't stout. No, that's so totally true. Another one of my um, takeaways from the weekend was a question was, are the Giants real? What are, what are these guys? I still think they're middle of the road. I still think they're a 500, maybe 600 team yeah. at best. Yeah, I could see them finishing like 10 and 7. They're definitely trending up. Yeah. Like if you want to look at them for the next two, maybe three years, I mean, I think they're trending up, which is kind of hard for me to say because I'm not a huge Giants fan. Yeah. All right. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Um, Pitt didn't have a chance for this game. Uh, Switching to Kenny P was the right call, but they still can't run. No. So. If, if you can't run, you can't use play action, guys just sit there and wait for you to you know pass the ball to him. Um, Kenny Pickett was uh, 34 for 52, 65%, not too bad. Um, 327 yards, so that, that stat's there. No TDs with an interception. Um, uh, Pittsburgh rush, 17 for 54 yards. That's 3.2 yards a carry. Gosh, man, I saw yeah, I saw some meme today about people that drafted Najee Harris in the first round of their NFL. Comparing him uh, to Trent uh, Richardson, did you see draft? that? No, I didn't. That's terrible. Their, their stats uh, the first two years, like, identical. Ouch, yeah. ouch. It's like, whew. Yeah, that, that was just a terrible game all the way around. So, yeah, Ryan congratulations Clark, Ryan to Ryan Clark called him out, too. At, you know, rightfully so. Yeah. All right, next one. Uh, L.A. Chargers. Uh, I call them San Diego Chargers all the time. Me too. Um, L.A. Chargers at Cleveland. And then I wrote, premiering this Sunday, USA Network's latest buddy cop show, Eckler and Chubb. It's the only reason to watch that game was those two players. They were stellar. Everyone else was like, whatever. 
they're just like you know bit parts or that right. guy from that thing that's that's the rest of those jacoby Brissett not looking good yeah. justin herbert still dealing with the cracked cartilage or whatever so yeah doesn't look good no all right chicago at minnesota fields of dreams justin was finally efficient 15 for 21, that's 71% and a touchdown, and was making a move to get them in position to win that game uh, at, at towards the end, although the ball was stripped uh, by Dantzler uh, from after a catch and a run and a yak. It was it was it was a great defensive play. But they yeah. were they're moving in the right direction. He's making some good throws. He's throwing to the sideline with accuracy. His efficiency looks good. He's picking his spots. Um, I think they win that game he probably has another touchdown in there you know we're going we're moving in the right direction i uh, you know he was always right there as that it was him and um zach wilson always as that number two quarterback in that draft for <laughs> me so high on zach wilson i'm just saying like out of the out of the five first round quarterbacks in that draft i, was, I had no faith those in two, zach wilson those two are my favorites those two are my favorites after trevor lawrence so i'm glad to see him do he it looks well, like finally. a duke lacrosse member like he, Zach Wilson. He, Zach Wilson should be on Duke Lacrosse, like doing Duke Lacrosse things. I mean, Duke Lacrosse. They were uh, those guys were all acquitted for that stuff, though. So, you said it. I'm just I'm saying, man. Yeah. But they but they look that they look, do they do look they do look like they would have they done look something like, like they that. did yeah, something. Okay, wrong. good yeah. point. <laughs> all right, moving on. What's what, which they, they, the Skakel kid did not go to jail for. <laughs> Anyway, man. Killing a Kennedy with a golf club. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Detroit at New uh, New England. Uh, oh. I call them now the Detroit Lions because they're missing the D. Um, and also, Nick Folk for MVP. He scored 17 of New England's 29 points. That's so that funny. I saw that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I just – I was shocked. I, I don't know. It's – I think it is the – the hard knocks hangover i don't know what you'd call it but every year i get sucked into these crappy teams that are on hard knocks and every year they let me down um they're 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 extremely uh deficient at quarterback and at defense right now now i think they have a lot of talent on that team and i think they'll get there i'm not sure enough about what aaron glenn's doing to say yes or no he seems to be a good coach but like i don't know what he's teaching them or what these guys are teaching them but i think they have the talent it's just like pulling it together and um getting them to play as a cohesive team i think that's what we're missing they're kind of scattered and all over the place and they're they're not disciplined they're not in their gaps they're not you know sticking to their assignments so i think there's some work to be done for sure absolutely all right next one uh seattle at new orleans all right, the T-130, that's Taysom Hill to you, uh, was sent from the future to find and destroy Seattle's defensive coordinator, Clint Hurt. Mission accomplished. The machines have won. <laughs> Man, uh, Seattle's the only team in the NFL, only team in college, only team in freaking peewee football, high school football, little league football that doesn't know how to defend the goddamn Wildcat in 2022. What are you doing? He's back. He's going to run the ball. And, like, the one time he threw it and got a touchdown, okay, good on you, buddy. Like, you you got us. But 
you better be loaded up, ready to stop the run. The, if second, he's, the second he's in Wildcat, man, you bring that. What are you doing? Up. Yeah, what are sure. you doing? For sure. Just ridiculous. The re- the the uh, the calls in that game were. Are they playing a three four? Too. Are they playing a three four? I, have, yeah. I haven't really looked at it, but yeah, they should they move back to that four three that I they, think used, so too. You know, they used to do. All right. So I think I think if they if, I think if Jamal Adams is healthy, maybe things look different on not, that defense. Nothing, like I absolutely disagree. I, I am. Do you? I am. I'm, I'm not selling Jamal Adams. Be. I'm not saying I don't it think would it be. matters because I to me they need they need to stop it at the line of scrimmage. They're getting swamped. And when you're playing a three-four without that, the linebackers, we got we have two like seven technique type linebackers, outside guys that want to rush the quarterback. I don't think you can play that. Uh, I don't think we have the talent to play the three-four no, with don't. the nose tackle. Well, it's more, and I don't even think it's our D line is not that. Al Woods and Brian Monet and uh, Puna Ford are not bad D like interior D linemen. It, the problem is we have no pass rush. Yeah. We have the out we we don't have enough linebackers to play a three four. We don't have enough quality linebackers. Like Cody Barton should not be a starting linebacker in the NFL. Agreed. Anyway. All right. Move on before <laughs> you digress. <I> get very <laughs> upset. All right. Miami at uh, New York Jets. So Miami has two quarterbacks in the concussion protocol at this point. Um and who's their starter? Sage Thomas or something? Something or Thompson, like that. Something I, like I wonder that. what Philip Rivers is up to. That might not be a bad call for Miami to make. Also, where's Gardner Minshew? Where are those discussions? That would be an interesting pickup. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Tua. I'm not sure he comes back and makes a difference. I think he's he's better than uh, Teddy Two Gloves. And there's a huge drop off after that. So... To me, I I think he was wearing that 19 was the number of the third string quarterback. Like out there, I immediately I was like, that's freaking Scott Mitchell. Remember when Scott Mitchell 19 playing for the for the Dolphins after he was jettisoned from the Lions? Yeah. And just like out there throwing dimes to the other team. I was like, oh no, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I was having like PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> All right. So Atlanta at Tampa. So I'm gonna get real here. Um, there's a lot of life in front of Tom Brady right now. I mean, he's only 45 years old, right? He's not retiring, you know, in the sense of retirement. Um, I think his football legacy has been written. Like, I don't know what he's doing. It's time to save your family. Like, I, it's hard to watch a guy jeopardize their lives and, you know, and, and watch it happen, jeopardize their family and the structure that they've created in their life because you think that you're so necessary for this. And I don't think this, this year is going to go well for him. Honestly, they might make the playoffs, but I really don't think they're a contender in this, like, even when they get healthy, unless something crazy happens, which is possible. But I and just, the NFC's I'm not down. I mean, I could see. My one of my my notes and my takeaways was that I stand by my Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady take from last it's week. It's hard to argue otherwise. I don't. I just think these guys, for different reasons, have lost a little bit. And I think yeah, Tom Brady's got the weight of the world on his shoulders right now with his family, let alone trying to be the quarterback of a one of the thirty two NFL teams. So what? What what are you doing out here? Is yeah, I mean, just it's time to go. Yeah. So next one, Tennessee at Washington. Uh, my comment was, ugh, I have to add the Titans back to my playoff rankings. I removed them last week and I put the Jaguars in because I think their first four games were pretty spectacular. And uh, 
we didn't none of us expected him to be playing that well but at this point, this is the rebound of the Titans. I think it's just great coaching and just figuring out a way to win these tough games. Um, they're back at the top of the uh, uh, the AFC South. Uh, yeah. I might have to rethink this. We'll see where they're at at the at the end of the at the halfway point of the season. And yeah, see where they're at I'm definitely rankings. still not. So I mean, they almost they, if they had a competent quarterback playing against them, they lose that game probably eight times out of 10. Also, I wrote, we talked about this earlier, Wentz is fourth in passing yards uh, and one in four in the season. So whatever he's doing, he's making mistakes off the cuff. He's not making throws when he needs to make. He's he's accumulating right now, but it's not translating to any any wins. All right, Houston at uh, Jacksonville. Um, You know that Gatorade commercial that Trevor's doing? And there's that the scene. Back in the day song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that scene where he's running from children and he goes, I said no blitz. I feel like that that's how he is on the field right now. <laughs> just running around yeah. yelling at defensive linemen. Yeah. Like, I said no blitz. Just like that's tossing the funny. ball, at, you know. Yeah, between this game and the uh, Denver-Indianapolis game, I felt like they set football back about a decade. Yeah. All right, San Francisco at Carolina. Again, another one that I did a little bit more deep thinking on. Um, this is to, uh, to David Tepper. An NFL franchise is not a business in a traditional way. It can't be ran like that, right? Financially successful rich white men like Tepper need to understand that what they learned accumulating wealth in their lives doesn't really apply here. They don't have the same benefits of where they came from and who, you know, who they are demographically in these scenarios. They're no longer the smartest person in the room. So the sooner you recognize that as an owner, the better your your franchise is going to be. We've seen this happen time and time again, specifically with Haslam with the with the Browns thinking he's the smartest guy there and right. he's, he's switching from different coach to different coach and strategy to different strategy and it's what's happening here. He hires Rule, and it basically allows him over the next four years to do what's in the best interest, or at least what he thinks is in the best interest of his career, and that's Rule's career, which is, I'm going to do what I can to win now. But what he's not doing is developing a team. So the most important job of the head coach is to develop a team concept. What are you going to be? How do you, like for Pete Carroll, was competition. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make competition a big thing, right? For Steve Kerr, it was about joy. We're playing a game. Let's bring that joy to the team. Yeah. What is the vision for the Carolina Panthers? They want they they want to be a defense. They want to be an offense. At this point, the the best strategy is to basically dump your players um, and get some value, some picks for that now and, and, and build for the future. But that's still not going to fix the issue of them not having a defined vision. There was one article that, or one uh, note that stood out when I was researching the Haslam issue. He hired uh, a stat guy as a GM, a uh, uh, sabermetric level right. guy. And they put him in charge, obviously, of finding that head coach. So he goes out with all of these measurables and metrics and kind of all this kind of other stuff and and put together the top three candidates, one of which was Sean McDermott. We know how successful he's being at Buffalo right now. 
Um, but the reason that Haslam didn't hire him was because he didn't like the way he shook his hand. And that's the kind of thinking that keeps the Browns, even with the talent they have on their roster, it keeps them middling in the middle of, you know, yeah. middling in, in, in the AFC North and in, in pro football. And I think that's what the Carolina Panthers are going to do. He's going to try to make a splash coaching thing. He's not going to look at stuff. He's going to have all these like white guy ideals about what he should do and what he's looking for in a leader. And he's just not going to be able to hit the mark. And I don't know how a guy like that can get out of his own way because it's frankly hard to argue with the fact that he's been successful. He's a freaking billionaire for Christ's sake. So I don't know I mean, what to do with it. But you know, I, I, have, I have no faith that he's going to figure this out. Yeah, I don't really either. Um, Matt Rule, I feel like, to be fair, I think he was getting an NFL coach, a head coaching job one way or the other that, that offseason in, in 2019 coming into 2020. Was that justified? Probably not. Um, you know, he had a, a good run at Baylor, which isn't uh, typically a, a powerhouse in college football. Um, so a lot of times when guys have a run at a school like that, they're off to the NFL shortly after. So, um, yeah, I don't really like hold them, you know, hold it against them that they hired him. I thought it was a good hire at the time with Christian McCaffrey and, um, you know, you're bringing in Sam Darnold, hopefully hoping that you can turn his situation around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been a lot of ineptitude. I'll that, say that this at, at the college level and at the pro level, I think what are the top two requirements for what you would call or consider a good head coach? I think they're very different. I think at college level, you got to be able to recruit, you right. got to bring in talent. You got to uh, beat other people out for talent. That helps when you're at a bigger school, of course, but there's some people that have been able to do it. I think Urban Meyer somehow has figured out how to pull talent. I also think as a college coach, you have to be able to identify other coaching talent, people that are going to take the burden because they have much larger teams, like 110, 150 kids running around. Right. You need somebody to be able to kind of herd those cats to figure out you know, who's best. So identifying uh, good assistant coaches is important there in the nfl those things are important too but ultimately you have to be a teacher you can't if you are, have a deficiency at left tackle it's and you just signed him as a first round you can't just go recruit another left tackle you need right. to develop the talent that you have so at the, at the top level, you have to be able to develop the talent that you have and get them in a position for success. And then you have to, with that, you have to be able to develop your coaching talent to help um, perpetuate that vision. And then number two, I think you need to be an expert at situational football. If you don't understand the down and distance and the clock and how many timeouts you need and all of these other things, and you don't know what decision, we're seeing a lot of delay of games this year. And it's it's just lack of understanding of situational football, and this Did is what happens that, when you no. when you hire offensive and defensive coordinators right. that are brand new, and you think they got this amazing offense that's gonna like change the the universe, and it never does. Sorry, to interrupt. No, no, I was interrupting you. Um, was Did you see that uh, Denver hired some like older guy just for kind of uh to oversee daniel yeah. hackett on the or nathaniel hackett on the uh like he comes up and goes hey you know we should probably call a timeout right, right. Now. yeah yeah so he's like up in the booth like yeah. watching the clock and and the situational like, play so like... yeah <laughs> hey, hey nate hey 
Nate. Don't screw this up again, bud. <laughs> Call a timeout, bro. <laughs> go go for it on fourth down or don't. All right. So um, moving on. All right. I think All I've right. beat that, that that Carolina horse to death. Yeah, let's All go. All right. Dallas at uh, LA Rams. I hate watch this game. I, I, I hate both of these teams. Like hate strong. They're just not fun to watch for me. Um, the no. Dallas D is carrying this team. And Stafford, Stafford looks cooked. Just yeah. absolutely cooked. He's scared back there. Um, That's how I thought he was going to be when he came to – I mean, I didn't see that he still had enough to win a Super Bowl in him coming over there last year. So this is kind of what I thought he was last year, and it's just now it's kind of coming Sometimes to fruition. it's just about hitting that stride at the right time, and we've seen it happen where teams just get fired up. Yeah. Um, and maybe Stafford kind of was – I guess victim is a strong word, but a victim of that circumstance. Yeah. All right, Philly at Arizona. Um, five and zero. You got to win these tough games. Yeah, you know they, they road game across the country. I mean, it's the still Cardinals a good win. batting down the hatches and kind of st- kind of stymied the the Eagles' offense. Yeah, um, this turned out to be a good game. I yeah. watched a good portion but of it. They ultimately held together, and that's yeah. what, that's what good teams do. All right, Cincinnati at Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati Oof. still can't run the ball. Uh, Baltimore still can't pass. So there's a lot it's, of deficiencies, yeah. deficiencies in that game. I thought both defenses looked well, but I don't know if that's because they actually are good or because these offenses have like like glaring uh, problems. You know, Lamar Jackson is fun to watch. Even if he can't throw the ball, just him back there running around and he's got a cannon for an arm. It's still fun to watch. He's not very accurate. But he's, I just enjoy he's fine his accurately. But you know, the thing is, is, like, if you look at his accuracy numbers, they're okay, right? But when you watch him and he has to throw that ball downfield, he hits that back foot, he throws off the back foot, he almost never yeah. shifts his body weight into the throw, and it looks so um, antithetical to what we know and understand about how you throw a football or how you throw a football accurately, and it seems to be okay. What he's not getting is in those back of the end zones when he's kind of rolling out and the defense has it figured out. Right. They're they're boxing him in. He's just kind of lofting it up there. So that kind of like off the back foot loft is like a throwaway or whatever. Right. Like we're just not seeing like what we'd want to see in those scenarios. So I I don't know. I yeah. don't know. What to, I I can't figure this out. I'm my arrow is going up on the Bengals even though they lost this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was to, I was impressed the the way they they. I was impressed there. it was so close, honestly, because I did the way that they were going three and out, four and out, three and out. Like they still can't run the football. That yeah. offensive line, they went out and got like a bunch of talent to kind of like protect Burrow after last year. And um, from what I can see, he's still getting hit. Might be partly his fault, as we discussed last week. They can't run the ball. Sometimes it takes a little bit for these offensive linemen to sure to get get and, and maybe that's it the right maybe they figure it out but right now they're not doing the job right all right finally las vegas at kansas city um i put the raiders new motto should be uh commitment to cleaning up mistakes <laughs> and that's what it is you're running into each other on, on the final play of the game there's all these like little things that they're they're not in a abram's coming up and trying to um hit the run on a play action to that um to travis kelsey he's guarding kelsey but as soon as they do that play action he dives in to get the running back and kelsey's wide open for that fourth touchdown kelsey is a monster i get it but he's wide open every 
they should know where he is on the field. He Who is, else do you have to guard? Well, he that exactly. He's the catalyst to that offense. Like Tariq was before, like last year. Like we're gonna see what Tariq does, and then we're gonna like figure out where everyone else is. Right. He's gonna allow everyone else to get open. That's Kelsey this year, and and frankly, in this game, he was open way too much. I mean, what did he have? Like twenty five passing yards and four touchdowns. Four it was like, touchdowns. It was insane. Yeah. Good job. The, him, you know, good good game. I it was very entertaining, to say the least. So. All right. There's my observations for the week, being that I'm I was out it. of town. I'm with it, man. I All like. Right. I couldn't couldn't uh, disagree with much of what you said. So. I might play this back, kind of like these short statements and short observations, <laughs> and see how it plays out for the for next week. Yeah. yeah. All it right. Won't well, be as long. We only got 14 games, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, going, moving on to looking forward now. Yep. Um, my first one, which I'm, I know this is on your list. If it's not number one, it should be, and that's Bills and Chiefs. Yep. Uh, rematch from the one of the best playoff games I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, last last uh, last year in the playoffs in the second round, unfortunately, instead of getting getting that in the AFC Championship. Um, both teams, I feel like, have had really shocking losses. You know, Kansas City lost to Indianapolis and got beat pretty handily. Uh, the Bills uh, outgained Miami by an insane amount of yards and still ended up losing that game by by a very close margin. Um, I think, yeah, the, I definitely think these are the two best teams in the best conference playing each other in you know week six, and I'm I'm can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean you touched every point that I had in this. I definitely had it on here. I think it's the biggest game of the year, obviously to date, but almost possibly of the year. Um, to your point, they are unarguably the two best teams in the AFC and, and probably the NFL. Um, and I'm surprised it's not some sort of primetime game. I don't know why this yeah, is like a, weird. like a 125 CBS game. CBS, but, I think see, I think those, I think those, uh, the Fox and CBS, I think can pull games can, can use like vetoes on games when uh, when NBC wants to pull them to Sunday Night Football or ESPN to Monday Night Football. Okay. okay. So that might be might be the situation. Real there. quick before we go to the next point, I wanted to like pivot and go uh, just mention the buys coming up. For oh yeah, six. yeah. So who's, we have the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, Las Vegas Raiders, and the Tennessee Titans are all not playing. They're on buy. So this is the first week of buys. So we'll 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 let you know moving forward which teams aren't going to be. This playing, is like so. the twelve seed bye week. I guess yeah. <laughs> Very yeah, right there right. <laughs> It, it's right. almost my relegation list. Yeah, exactly, right? Very close to it. It's got to be. <laughs> All right, so my next one was Dallas and Philly. That was my second one, too. Um, I think this is possibly the second biggest game of the year, and mm. I really think the only um, real test for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're right. at Dallas. Dallas is 3-1, and 4-1. and 4-1. They're playing great defensively, and they're holding it together offensively. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how this how – this, um, how this plays out? Yeah, I think uh, I think game two between these two are, is going to be even bigger once uh, Dak Prescott is back. I mean, unless they play in the next couple weeks, and maybe not. But but it might not um, matter. They play like week true. sixteen or something is like that. that. What it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know that that might be good too. But yeah, this is I, I couldn't agree more. I want to see how this Eagles um, offense with Jalen Hurts moving the ball can can what they can do against the Cowboys defense because the Cowboys defense looks like an elite 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 unit yeah for sure all right so my last one um now this week there's like 
horrible matchups and there I wasn't is. really excited for it. So, but I did put this one. It's Denver at the LA Chargers. And I said, this game will be fire. Now, whether that's uh, fire burning a barn or or burning garbage, uh, I'm not sure. I suppose we'll find out Monday. I also made this observation, and we talked about Russell's kind of disingenuine, disingenuousness. Um, I was I, I'm contemplating a theory, like it's a mathematical calculation of his corniness coefficient and how it's inverse, <laughs> inversely proportional to the success on the field for him. So I wonder the more corny he becomes the deeper he goes into that corniness the worst his play is on the field and it's it's really like if he just maybe just toned it down for a little bit like hey just hey russell just be quiet for four weeks and see what happens just do me a favor don't test my theory don't see that happening no i don't either um i did have that one on my list too um as a seahawks fan i'm i am in heavily invested in every team facing the Denver Broncos this year um, because we get their first and second round draft picks. And, um, yeah, I just – I want to see them suffer. So, go Chargers. All right. Um, I did have a couple more, uh, and that one was on my list as well. I thought there – the other two are – I'm just going to throw them in at the same time. It's Giants and Ravens mm-hmm. and Jets and Packers. Because I want to see where, just kind of where the, all four of these teams match up now um, in the hierarchy of things. I want to see, like, are it's the Giants at Baltimore and then the Jets are at, at Green Bay, right? Yes. Okay. No, no, Giants are home. And okay. they're 4-1 uh, they're and one in a five-point underdog. At home. At home to the Ravens. So I'm, I think that's high. Seems high. And I think it started out as Baltimore – minus one or two and it moved quite a bit over the last few days so um i'm i'm interested in both of those i just want i want to see where minus one that's basically the money line i mean that's yeah exactly yeah so um and i would have definitely taken that that bet um but i've lost a lot of money on the ravens this year already so i don't know how much more i'm doing with that well we talked about the 49ers being a dr uh, jekyll mr hyde um team i think there's that that can describe several teams in the NFL this year, including the Baltimore Ravens. What team are you going to get that week? Right, exactly. Exactly. So, And then the Jets and the Packers, like what – how does Green Bay bounce back? Like, you know, are the Jets going to keep gaining more confidence? And that Brees Hall looks like a legit, legit running back, you know, could be the next big star running back in the league. So, I think the defensive coordinator for the Packers is going to read Ben Solak's article on the ringer and i think they're just going to punish um, could be zach wilson wouldn't be surprised all right but i'm rooting for zach go go buddy go all right week six here we come all right speaking of week six we have some predict um we got some predictions um some bets that we're um pushing on the folks here this is why everyone listens to us really are one oh absolutely one of us is uh one of us is is basically uh, even dead even the other one is oh and eight or one oh and, and eight. eight oh and eight. Oh and eight. <laughs> How many did you pick this week? I picked oh I picked six this oh, week. Oh wow, I only did I ha- three again. It's fine, man. I need to start making some, some <laughs> yeah, you're drastic gonna choices. Go, you're gonna I gotta really start fall down from, a hole here. Yeah, I gotta start looking for value. Dig yourself out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you uh, lead it off then. All right. I can't quit Seattle. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, I got Arizona at Seattle plus two and a half. 
So you're taking um, Seattle at Seattle plus, plus two. And so out. the way I read it, if it's Arizona, I'm taking. I'll say that before the act. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, I question whether Arizona can stop Geno Smith and the Seattle. L. I, I just I'm not sure how that's going to happen. Um, I also think Arizona is not great at running the ball, which is a, like a serious weakness. Um, so if we can contain and keep uh, Kyler Murray in the pocket, I think our secondary can can do it. I think we can hold up. We've been really good. Well, I have a bet with a friend uh, that you were privy to for $50 that Seattle – at first I said Seattle's not going to beat any of the NFC West teams. Like we're going to go winless against the NFC West. And then I amended that to they would not beat the Cardinals for sure, which I think is kind of like the only option of them winning a game in the NFC West anyway. Mm-hmm. So I am – Definitely rooting against the Seahawks this week. Hope they play well, but I hope they lose. Um, just so I can keep that that bet intact, and we can keep our draft pick compensation looking great. I think we'll be fine with that stuff, honestly, especially with Denver. Yeah. All right. I think you're right. So um, I'll I'll go with my next, and then, yeah, yeah, you go right. one more, and I'll do one. All right. Uh, my next one is Tampa Bay minus eight and a half at Pittsburgh. Um, Brady's still a top five quarterback. Um, Tampa Bay offense is finding some consistency over the last couple of weeks. They're at least moving the ball. They got some players that are coming in. Um, there's no way Pittsburgh offense scores enough points to win this game. Agreed. Agreed. What was the spread on that one again? Eight and a half. Yeah. Okay. I, I could get behind that. I hate those big numbers, but I get it. Me too. And they played so bad last week, Pittsburgh. They did. They're probably going to rebound, and it's going to be like a six-point win for, for Tampa. That's, that's been my year. So, but uh, hey, what do I got to lose now? hundred bucks? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, my first one is Minnesota minus three and a half at Miami. And this line's moved around a bit because um, at the beginning of the week, I think there was some talk that Tua may, may play this weekend, but he's now out. And so is Jacoby Brissard, not Teddy Two Gloves, sorry. Right. Um, and... They, they, yeah, they're starting some kid I've never heard of before. And I think his name is Sage. So don't think uh, this is going to end well for Miami. Sage Rosenfeld Jr. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Might as well be. Um, so, yeah, that's – I just think – I, I don't Mitchell's think – Mitchell's corpse. Yeah. Yeah, unless this guy can can dead. get the ball in, uh, you know, in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell's hands a lot this weekend. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I think Minnesota can put up too many points for for a rookie you know rookie quarterback that I've never heard of to uh, do much. So amazing! All right, I got Buffalo minus two and a half at Kansas City and the over fifty three and a half. I think I like the over for sure. I think this game is going over. I don't think this is going to be about the defense at all. I think Buffalo wins. I think, uh, I think Buffalo like, has revenge on their mind. Yeah, I think so. And even though it's at Kansas City, they didn't show very well last year and or uh, last week rather. Um, I don't know. I just I think Buff. This is Buffalo's moment um, to to assert themselves. Um, we saw that Kansas City's D couldn't stop the run uh, when they're in that too high set, trying to like stop or kind of minimize uh, Devonte Adams' uh, impact. I think. The wide receivers on that Buffalo Bills team are good enough to create those types of mismatches, and yeah. I think they're they're going to have a, a wonderful day uh, running that um, running the ball. And th- they did it with just the Raiders did it with just um, 
their running back last this last week. Think about you got Singletary, Moss, uh, three-headed dragon running back, and then you have Josh Allen, who's a, just a monster back there. So, and I know you sent me a a, ter- a tweet from someone talking about uh, should Buffalo be interested in Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll talk about that in kind of my conspiracy corner. Okay. But yeah. My bad. Yeah. No bads. <laughs> no bads. It's fine. All right. Um, my next one. Uh, I want to. I'm going to take the Chargers. Minus five and a half uh, versus at home versus Denver. And I just think I'm rooting against – I mean, I'm. this may be more heart than head, but I um, you know, I just have to feel like Justin Herbert's – I know, time, I know. That's why people listen. Um, Maybe. <laughs> they, uh, anyway, yeah. The, That's I definitely think your personality. Chargers are, uh, Chargers are getting getting better, um, or you know, getting uh, healthier as we, you know, as each week goes by. I think Justin Herbert's going to get back into the groove. I just think Denver's offense is so inept that I don't know who they're scoring points on. I think that I think the Chargers are limited offensively right now. I think their receivers are hurt. Uh, Michael Williams has never been like a separation guy, so everything is just a like a like a rock fight to for him. And if you have a quarterback that's not as accurate because he's injured, I just I don't see where they're going to be able to be as efficient. Um, if I mean, if I was Denver, who have a decent defense, I would shut down, you know, um, Eckler, Eckler and, yeah. and, and it's it's over. But to your point, I don't think Denver can score enough points. Um, what? Why wouldn't the Chargers reach out to Odell Beckham Jr. at this point? Yeah, I don't. Is he healthy? I mean, I think they're starting to talk about him. Teams being interested in him. I saw something a couple days ago saying that the Giants should look into him. Uh, there's, first of all, there's no way he goes back to the Giants. But I would say if I was Odell, I would wait until a contender pops up. I don't know if the Chargers are going to be good enough towards the end of the year to even make a difference. Can't Is Odell going to put them over? Do they have a need for, for a separating wide receiver? So yes. They, but have, they, have, they have one and two already. So right. where, where are you going to fit Odell into that? You're going to, you're going to piss somebody off. Um, True. But what team can he go to where it's going to make a difference? That's that's the question. Probably that's, the Rams. He's not. I don't think or he's Buffalo. Going back to the Rams. I, I saw Buffalo too. It's, they're uh, they're pretty stacked there. I but like. Yeah, their who's receivers. their who's their number? Oh, they have Gabe, it's Gabriel, uh, Gabriel and yeah. um, what's his name? It's uh, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. What's uh, what's your next one? Uh, I think this is definitely a lock. Cincinnati minus one and a half at New Orleans. That's my last one too, and the over, of forty three and a half. Oh yeah, I could definitely. Get um, I think that. I think Cincinnati's coming off. Obviously, they're coming off a two point loss against a divisional opponent. It's a tough game. Um, thought Cincinnati D held up well against the limited but dynamic Baltimore offense. Um, I, I expect them to continue to do that this week. Um, I do expect Burrow and the offense to get rolling early. And it's really like we had mentioned earlier. It's time. It's it's time for the Cincinnati's offensive line to establish the, themselves and the run. And I think if, if all those things are firing, I don't think there's any chance that um, there's enough offense in that uh, New Orleans team, even with the T one thirty. So I had Tua Tagovailoa in my on my fantasy team. 
I made a, made a statement. Now he didn't do bad the first couple weeks, but of course not. I made a statement that I drafted him because I refused to draft Russell Wilson, and you gave me a load of shit about that and said I should have drafted Russell Wilson and take the points, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. You should. But he didn't. It's Russell Wilson's right not doing anything either. Well, ultimately but, it, it was. But anyway, point, so but. then this uh, – this, uh, so then I'm like, I, I, that's the only quarterback I had on my roster because, like, all the, the guys, like, the kind of sleeper picks I was going to grab got, got gobbled up late in the draft. So I'm sitting there. I, I need to dra- I need to pick up a quarterback. How many people 12-team league. Okay. So I had to pick up a quarterback off the waiver wire. And I look, I go, you know, Saturday or Sunday and I'm early morning and I'm flipping through and, uh, what's his name? Andy Dalton is the number one projected player on the board. And I'm like, I love how you spent so much time building up that story. And the punchline was Andy Dalton. Well, it was, I was, I'm like thinking in my head, I'm going to go on, I'm going to grab Geno Smith. But I'm like, what's Geno Smith really going to do against New Orleans? Cause like, the waiver wires picked clean. Like there's yeah. no, it's like Dan, Danny dimes is the only other quarterback that's out there. And I'm like, I don't know about him. Danny dimes on one. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and take Andy Dalton here. And then Geno Smith just goes off and you know, he scored like 27 fantasy points. Was Taysom anyway, Hill a choice? Uh, you can't pick him up at quarterback. I think only oh, really? at tight end. Okay. Yeah. I think you can only play him at tight end. Okay. Okay. All right, my next pick is uh, Jacksonville money line at Indianapolis. Um, Isn't that one essentially a pick 'em anyway? Yeah, I, I didn't look at the spread when I chose the money line. That okay. I, I should probably throw that in here just for context. Uh, but I, thought, I think it was. I think it's pretty. It was either one or it was, it was a close. Money line. Yeah. yeah, I think Jacksonville plays Indiana, Indianapolis tough. There's no question. Uh, they stole a win from them last year and kept uh, the uh, Colts out of the playoffs. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to have three bad games in a row, I, so I expect him to rebound here. I expect that Doug Peterson and his quarterback coach and offensive coordinator have him locked in a room somewhere with his kind of eyes taped open watching film. So <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm expecting more uh, this week from him. All right. Is that your last one then? Got, got one more. What's that one? San Francisco at Atlanta, also the money line. I think um, Atlanta is playing teams really close. They've lost um, by a total of 14 points in their four losses, including a horrible roughing the passer call um, on Grady Jarrett. Uh, That game they lost by six, but it it just killed the momentum um, of that particular game. Um, Plus, I believe this is a classic Mr. Hyde showing for San Francisco. They played out of their minds last week, and I'm expecting them to kind of show up and, on the road, not be as efficient, not play as well. And I think Atlanta's scrappy. And you, you see Arthur, what's what's the head coach? Is it? Uh, Arthur, oh man. I always want to say Arthur Blank, but that's the that's owner. That's the owner. Okay, so there are a couple of Arthurs. There. Arthur Smith, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, I see him with yeah. his, his face in his hands like three times a game. Mm-hmm. And I just, I know it's like he feels like the world is against him. Right. Um, so... I have Atlanta actually um, winning this game, so we'll oh, see. Wow. Okay. I like it. Um, yeah. So what? What are we moving on to? Our conspiracy slash hot take corner. Yeah, I've added something unique to this. I'm going to be tracking it all year for you, and we're going to call it the Zach Wilson watch, or, or AKA the Zach line. Yeah. All right. So this week, 14 for 21, 66 percent, not bad. Mm-hmm. 210 yards. I mean not great 
a pass, uh, zero passing touchdowns, zero picks, which is good. He he's usually doubling up his interceptions. And he did his, have a rushing touchdown. Right? He did have a rushing touchdown. Yeah. I was going to mention that. So I wouldn't say this is a good quarterback stat line, but they got the W. That's why you you texted me some snide comment at, at some point during that game, like up oh, there's his uh. There, there's Zach Wilson coming out or something. I don't know if he made a bad pass or what it was, but I was just like, hey, man, all I can say is scoreboard. You gave me one of the best compliments that I had ever gotten in my life last week after you were <laughs> editing the last podcast, which was you are one of the best shit talkers that I've ever Yeah, you do. You definitely do it low key, man, on here. <laughs> Sometimes I don't pick it up till I'm listening back and I'm like, that mother, God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I continue to kind of sharpen my my knives with with the with my my uh my intro to this episode was going to be like last week he said uh, Aaron Rodgers leads the NFL in eye rolls well he <laughs> our co-host leads leads the uh li- the line to gain show in i in uh, verbal eye rolls Mike Parker so what i want you to do uh, <laughs> when you have those types of things spend some time like practicing so you can rattle it off yeah for sure i do yeah this is crazy i actually kind of read through this several times to make sure that i'm like i have a cadence to it yeah i'm a i'm a crazy person though all right so any what's your what's your um first uh hot takes you know the only the real thing i i was so busy this week and we had such nice weather i didn't like really dig in too too deep to anything but i do have the one i did have was that in, in the NFL games that I was able to watch, you know, I saw a little bit. I, it was more just clips of the Tampa Bay Falcons game where there was just an egregious roughing the passer call against uh, Atlanta that you know, the guy barely touched Tom Brady. Uh, then in the Kansas City versus Las Vegas game, there was like a serious, like, I, I'm as a person who bet on that game. Like I, if Kansas City would have lost, I would have been so heated because Chris Jones sacks Derek Carr, knocks the ball loose from him, Grabs recovers him from the out ball, of his hands, yes, recovers the ball as he lands on Derek Carr and or David Derek Carr. I'm sorry, you got me messed up with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, on Derek, he lands on Derek Carr, but he's like not trying to even tackle him. He's just trying to secure the ball in his kind of in his bread basket. And they call a penalty on him. Give give the uh, Raiders a first down across midfield, like basically put him into field goal range, with you know not like I think it was like under two minutes left in the, the first half. The Raiders kick a field goal, and I mean thankfully the uh, Chiefs came right back down the field and, and kicked a field goal before halftime to kind of offset that. But it never should have happened. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. So. Twitter, I want you to know the NFL is listening uh, because they had agreed to have the competition committee take a look at the parameters that are set up for the roughing the passer. Um, my, I love when they bring in these these ex referees to kind of like be the the voice of of reason uh, when penalties are thrown, and they just sit there and stroke the referee about them making the right call. It's like listening to a lawyer, like a lot of the lawyers, a lot of them are lawyers, but they just to listen to them talk about, well, the law says this and the argument they're they're like the Supreme court, 
you know it's like the argument isn't whether it was right or wrong the argument is that the method that they used was incorrect and not a legal argument it's like come on man did just your own eyes look at this. right he he put his hand down he wasn't falling on it make it reviewable look at it overturn that shit yeah is that so is that a thing like uh personal fouls aren't reviewable they're not no uh, yeah, that that needs to probably change then if they're gonna try or, to go or crazy. Or you just lighten up on the stuff, just lighten up on it. And I mean, I get they got a lot of criticism in the last two weeks over this Tua Tagovailoa situation. So hey, we're really good about causing like calling out the issue yeah. or the problem. I know there's a solution there. I haven't brain done enough brainstorming right. to like really hash that out, but. I'm hoping. Yeah, they've definitely gone too far the other. I don't want to. I don't want to see Grady Jarrett getting called for it. I don't want to see um, Chris Jones getting called for it in those moments. Mm-hmm. Like if I if my quarterback throws it and somebody comes out of nowhere and just decletes him, throw the flag. Yeah, it's fine. Or hits him out of bounds. And like, you know, like or when as he's as sliding, fan, you hit it. Yeah, as it's a like, fan, you know when that like oh my god, that was an egregious roughing the passer or personal foul penalty, but. I mean, they, they've really gone kind of well, too that far body, the opposite that body way. weight rule is because um, Aaron Rodgers broke his clavicle right. in that scenario. And they're like, we can't have our star quarterback sitting out the entire year with yeah. a broken collarbone because these guys, they basically hit him and put their arms out like, like birds and land all with all of their body weight. That just yeah. wasn't the case here. Right. Whatever, man. Absolutely not. Yeah. All right. So. so my final kind of hot take is the Carolina Panthers are clearing house. So we talked a little bit about their strategy. I'm hoping this is what happens. You clear out your high cap guys. There's no reason for them to have Christian McCaffrey, a guy who, frankly, is off the field quite a bit with injury at this mm-hmm. point. When he's there, he's dynamic and amazing. But how much are they paying for a guy that spends, you know, 40% of his career like not available. Right. Um, they don't really have a lot of other high cap guys that you really need to think about. Right. They're only other off great, good offensive player is DJ Moore. whatever. I mean, probably good. He's a one, good. On, he's a one on that team, but is he a three on, you know, he's probably a two on a decent team. Oh yeah. For sure. He's a three on the Buccaneers. But. So I just go like what, it, all they should be doing is just clearing house, freeing up cap space, collecting draft, draft picks, picks yeah. and then really have a committee put together about finding some key uh, coaching uh, candidates that regardless of how they shake your hand, David Tepper, that they fit the profile that you set up. Good leader. Good situational football has a, a offensive and or defensive plan, has a plan for who he's going to hire and how he wants to run the program. What are his key things that he's going to focus that team on? That's what you need to think about. What um, do you think an NFL coach would rather uh, a new coach for an NFL team would rather come into just a blank slate? And be say, hey, we're gonna give you three or four years to make get this thing moving in the right direction. No pressure to win right now. Or I don't even know if an, if an NFL owner would say that though. It's like I feel like you come in with a blank slate. Like things can switch so quickly in the NFL. You can go from being so bad to so good so quickly that it's like, how do you, you know? Would it be better to have a team of like with a couple of established stars like Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, even though maybe they're not as big of stars or they're always hurt, whatever the case may be? Would you rather have somebody that you can lean on, even 
forty percent of the time coming in, or would you rather have a blank slate and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, my system's gonna work, and I'm gonna build this thing the right way"? Well, great question. Um, I wouldn't hire anybody that has this idea that they're gonna come in with a blank slate and think that they're they have the magic system that's gonna. I I don't need somebody that that has that ego. Confidence is great, but Humility is also part of confidence. Like I know who I am as a person. I know what I'm bringing to the table. There's no need for me to remind everybody about it. Um, so I would, if I was a head coach, I would want some piece of that team to be good or great or elite. Now, right. is that the defense? Is that a running back? Is that a wide receiver core? Is that a quarterback, right? So that's the one thing that I'm looking at. Do they have something that I can build off of? Or when you have to focus and mitigate problems, like in a business, right? You look at this part's fine. This is this team is really this part of my team is really good. I can focus on building this here and and nurturing and teaching this, finding somebody to help guide this part of the team. I would prefer to have that level, like where I'm coming in in a situation where the team is just falling short. There's a couple of pieces of things that, you know, a couple of right. tweaks that need to be made, you know, to make, to take this team to be competitive yeah. to the next level. I think I'm in the same boat with you. Because I think what happens is if you're a 500 team that has an elite quarterback, like who's a good situation right now? Maybe Trevor Lawrence. I don't know elite yet, but good. Like yeah. he has like a prospect. Somebody, Some good young defensive players. Like Herbert. That. Yeah. Uh, let's look at Herbert as in this example. I would love to coach that team. They have what looks like a promising defense, at least parts of it, yeah. right? Um, they have they they have some deficiencies, I think, at at uh, wide receiver. They have a great talent in Keenan Allen, but he's never been known as a separator. Yeah. he's not a deep not ball guy. Not always healthy. Oh, not always healthy. You got Mike Williams. Like I said, he's always competing for the ball. He's really good in those, you know, those one-on-one scenarios. But again, he's not a separator. He's not beating people downfield. I would develop the team around that um, because I have an elite quarterback. And I think that would be a good situation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great question. I guess that's my opinion. I want to have one. What does yeah. the ownership group look like? Do I have an, What's some, the quarterback look like? Not just the quarterback, yeah. though, because you can actually find that, too, I think. That's or, true. Or yeah. find you have like a, yeah, like if you an have elite, a really good an defense. unit or position yeah. group. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I can see that. And those jobs are open because those guys turn over, too. Like, the Browns, I would have said, after Hugh Jackson, was one of those things. They had a good defense. They had potential. They had some draft picks. They have an elite running game right now. They have an elite offensive line. They have, a, they have a good to great defensive line. There's some gaps that they need right. to fill. So if it wasn't Haslam, I would never work for that man. Not that he's asking me. Um, I would have to be stuck with, you know, uh, some players that I have a substantial issue with. I would have a tough time doing that, which is why, you know, among other things, would be <laughs> coaching in the sport just because I couldn't deal with the kind of moral issues with some of it. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess are we moving on then to uh, our kind of outside of the football box? Yeah. Uh, for this, what we, what, what we kind of consume? section. Like, what are we into outside of football? 
Yeah, so I know um, I mentioned this to you right before we started recording, and and uh, I think we both had the same. Let me lead off with my weekend. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I, I actually. Oh, and I'll do my thing yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So I got <clears throat> I got out this weekend. I went uh, camping. Um, me and my uh, wife had essentially gutted out a uh, a Conoline van and built built in a, a camper van essentially, and we've been using that to kind of drive around the area and camp and stuff like that. So this is the first time we've been out in a few, I guess a couple of months. And it was nice to get out. It was great weather uh, out there on the, it's not really the coast, it's out in um, the Puget Sound. Um, right, uh, and you so, kind of mentioned where it was last yeah, it's, time. It's Whidbey Island for those that don't know, look it up, you know, just Google map it, Whid, Whidbey Island. Beautiful spot. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, there's an old like, series of forts out there that were built in like the 1942 time range, like right up in, you know, right before, um, well, actually right at the moment we entered into World War II, they threw these things up, but they're still there, you know, almost hundred years old. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool to kind of walk in and out of those things. We did some hiking, we took the dogs with us. It was, weather was in the, you know, low seventies, but the, the sun was out, got some reading done. I'll have a, a, a book that I, I want to talk about next week when I finish it up. So there's a lot of cool stuff that happened. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you guys had a good time. Sounded, so sounded it's not, fun. So basketball's back. And you had the opportunity, I heard, to attend an exhibition NBA game. Yeah, this was actually last week. I just completely forgot to talk about it last week. I think we were well, you were you, you were interested rambling. in hearing about it yeah. too. And and uh, you know, I I told I kind of talked to you about it. Sent you a picture from where we were at and uh, at the the arena there at Climate Pledge in Seattle. Um, so yeah, basically me and uh, my brother Brandon, who um, is my co-host on our other uh, podcast, Live to Walk Again. Uh, you know, Mike's mentioned that I have a spinal cord injury, so uh, we do that podcast as well, which is awesome. I hope you guys can check it out. Um, but I digress from that point. We got these tickets from a, a high school friend of ours that basically she was just like, hey, I've got a couple of floor seats for this exhibition game, yeah, the Rain you show, City you me Showcase. You a picture like, of where you were, like your view, and it was amazing. Yeah, we're literally four, and that wasn't actually where the seats were. Like they were so accommodating for us. We, So I have a fairly big wheelchair. We come out, and we're basically supposed to sit on press row. Mm. And so we come out, and they're – the table like that's the, on the other side of the wall yeah there, right? other side of the the court from the uh from the where we ended up sitting at right mm. behind the blazers bench but um so we we're basically kitty corner we were supposed to sit kind of kitty corner uh but but real close to half court um on the opposite side of the, the court from the benches but um we get out there and it's clearly it's not going to work they're like, you know, one of the guys, the ushers down there is like, I'll move all these goddamn press tables out of here. He's like, we'll get you in. Don't worry. And uh, then somebody else gets on the radio like, you can't move the press tables. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. But like when we came out, like Detlef Shrimp is standing like five feet away from us. I see Lenny Wilkins sitting like three rows in front of us. It's just the most insane thing. And, uh, and Spencer Hawes, who I don't know. You know he was a Husky, you know, kind of a great player. Any uh, other people that you saw that no one knows their name? Oh, shit, man. Spencer Hawes. He was a lottery pick, bro. Come on. <laughs> uh, anyway. No, but Gary Payton and Shunka. Anyway, they're trying to figure out, trying to accommodate us. We Luckily, we got there really early. Uh, so they take us around um, through the tunnel. 
I can see Yusuf Nurkic like walking right in front of us. And I'm like, holy, this dude's enormous, right? He's seven footer, right? Yeah. And he, I mean, he might be only 6'11. He's right up there, though. Anyway. Um, so we're like going, I'm just like, holy crap, that's Yusuf Nurkic. And then as we're, we're going through this like corridor, all of a sudden Dame Lillard comes walking out of the door, like right as we're coming by. And I was just like, Dame Lillard, what's up, baby? And he's like, what's up, guys? Like gives me a little pat on the shoulder, says what's up. Tell Drinking us, a Modelo. Uh, tell us to have a good game. Now he was, he actually played in this, this uh, preseason game, which was cool. Uh, he was a little off, but. I've gone down to Portland, well. I think, three times to go watch the Blazers play. I'm, I'm a huge Damon Lillard fan. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a – I know a friend of Bill Walton, so I'm going to get to go down. Bill Walton, like, hooked me up with some tickets to a game for – we were supposed to go last year, but we had kind of a COVID scare and had to push it back to this coming season. So, um, should be should be fun. I'm not name-dropping or anything over Let me here. Know. But. <laughs> you need a driver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, so, yeah, we got to sit um, – you know, we pull up to these seats on the other side of the arena, like literally right there. Like there it's, I'm as close as me, you know, we're four and a half, five feet apart right now. And that's about how close we were to the back of the trailblazers bench. Amazing. Um, just insanely fun. Then like, look over, like I see everybody kind of looking back, like behind, Oh, Brandon Roy was sitting like five seats over from us in one row in front. Saw him and his family hanging out. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden I can hear like some clamoring and like my brother's looking back over my, you know, past me towards like, you know, back up behind us in the stands. And uh, he's like, oh man, Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett are right up there. And I was like, oh, no way. And yeah, I'm trying to like kind of look back. And all of a sudden they come walking down and they come right by us. And the the family sitting next to me, it's like 16 year old daughter. And then uh, her parents are sitting, you know, her father's sitting next to her and then her mother on the other side. And, uh, First, Tyler Lockett came up and, like, gives the guy a hug. Like, oh, man, so good to see you. It's like, 55, 60-year-old guy. Um, and he's like, oh, it's my daughter and my wife, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Tyler Lockett's joking. Like, oh, thank God your daughter took after her mom or whatever. You know, like, giving the guy a hard time. And he, you know, gives the, 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 this girl a hug. And then he, like, gives me, like, you know, daps me up and says, what's up? And I think he thought I was with them or something. I was like, what's up, man? How's yeah, it going? Yeah. Then Gino Smith comes by, week. like says, what's up to him too. I was just like, who the hell is this guy? But I didn't want to be awkward and be like, Hey man, uh, how do you know all the Seahawks? You know? So I didn't say anything, <laughs> but anyway, Epic night got, you know, got to see a bunch of Sonics legends. You know, Gary yeah, I Payton. saw them, uh, you know, uh, yapping it up in the middle of the, the court there it was like Detlef, Sam Perkins, yeah. uh, Gary, and uh, Sean Camp. And yeah, George Carl was out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was legends. Seattle basketball legends were yeah. in the building. It was fantastic. It looked like a lot of fun. building was it was incredible. I, I was uh, there. I had a great time. So well, I can't wait to what is it the 24, 25 season when we're have the Sonics that's, back. That's probably that's well that's why and that's one of the reasons we went is because we thought they were going to announce the, the oh, come on the team at that. There's no way. Yeah, right, man. It's coming sooner than later. <laughs> well, it's coming, I think, but they're not going to announce it at a preseason game. They, well, that that night they had a preseason game in Las Vegas, and the thought was they were going to announce at both places simultaneously that a, that they were Who's giving thought? them your thought. Or no, what? like some like Associated Press reporter tweeted that out like a month and a half ago, and then deleted some his weird tweet. Reddit string that no, it was conspiracy? a Twitter. It was tw- it was an Associated Press Twitter account. All right. Anyway, all right. Cool. So cool. let's uh, let's move on to our 
our consumption of uh... all right so we both watched the redeem team um it's a sports documentary on netflix regarding um the 2008 right beijing men's um olympics a u.s olympic uh national right. olympic team right then yeah they dubbed them the redeem team because they had lost the 04 olympics and i think ended up with the bronze medal uh in that in those games so they won 92 obviously with the dream team they won 96 i believe they, they won 2000 they won 2000 that and was then, in uh, sydney and then right. they lost in 04 but they had lost like some of the fiba championships as well i think yeah. they lost to greece in 06 and and things like that well so. and it was kind of like a weird like that 04 team had um the the four guys like i think it was lebron d wade mellow and boozer, Mello and boozer yeah. were the four players that were on both the 04 and the 08 teams but um yeah it's kind of like the aftermath of that 04 team and how they brought in jerry colangelo to run the USA basketball as an organization. Before we get into that, okay. I wanted to, I want to set up like to, sports documentaries, the really good ones. There are, there's an overarching kind of like narrative, right? So mm-hmm. like for, um, for OJ made in America, it was like the story of OJ's arc. Right. And then right. underneath that, there was all of these subplots, like racism in America, mm-hmm. uh, the L.A. racism specifically in the 1990s. Same with La- Last Dance. It's Jordan's career arc, right? right? Or at least the last season was really what it was about. And then from there, all of these subplots, the the gambling issue, the, the flu game, Steve Kerr's situation, Rodman, you know, Pippin's um, uh, salary issues, like... There's yeah. all of these little subplots. And this is what really creates uh, a great sports doc. Uh, there was one that I, I can't find it anymore. I don't know where it is. It was about the, uh, I think it was the 91-92 Razorbacks uh, when they won uh, that championship. It was like 40 minutes of hell. 40 minutes of hell. And one of the amazing subplots was the rise of Bill Clinton during that period of time. He was obviously right. the governor of Arkansas. One. And there was a lot of this like, parallel uh, storyline about how his rise and the rise of Arkansas kind of coincided. And it was like this flash in the pan moment where, oh my God, who was Bill Clinton before 1990? No one knows who is the, you know, this, um, was it Richardson and his, in his style and right. this team and finding the right Full pieces. Court defense. Yeah. Just, so yeah. it's like these subplots that really add to it. Um, I didn't see any of this in this particular documentary. Yeah, I know you already told me you didn't. You weren't the biggest fan of it. It's fine to see yeah. like the team. Oh yeah, okay, we sucked for a little bit. We we lost, you know, our power and our dominance in the world. And players in Europe are getting better. We get that. Um, we got well, that. Well, I thought that they kind of they showed how the '92 team really inspired kind of the rise. The of rest the of the world, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, European, but yeah, the rest of the world. Yeah. And, as a whole as well, which is always interesting. To it me. was the plan. Well, you take NBA stars and you push the NBA out into the world. Well, and, and they did that because in what, in 88, they lost the, that was the first time they lost the gold medal since like 1968 when. 72. It was 72 in yeah. Munich yeah. when they, the U.S. thought they had won. They, um, the, somebody comes out on the court and says, no, 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 there's three seconds left gives Russia Deep another bomb, chance they, they throw a, yeah, yeah they throw a long pass get a layup and win the game um 
And so after 88, they decided, you know, then they kind of touch on this, but they did a lot of it briefly. So to be clear, we, 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 we lost in 72. Lost in 72. We boycotted the Moscow Olympics in 76. No, 76 was uh, Mexico City, I believe. Okay. We boycotted uh, the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Okay. And then they boycotted in 84 when like Jordan and and stuff won. And then was it Russia who won in 88 then? Who beat us in 88? I wonder. I I should should have probably looked that up. Somebody Uh, beat us up. Yes. And at the time, we were only sending college players amateur players to the Olympics. I think the 88 was like Sabonis. That's right. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was Russia. Was it Russia then? Okay. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So. And then 92 was that flash in the pan Croatia team. I it wasn't Croatia. I think it was Yugoslavia back then. Okay. But it was right about the time that that was actually separating as well. Like there was that civil war post um, USSR. Okay, so yeah, but the U.S. had be essentially won every every uh, it, it Olympic been a long gold medal. Time we were the best, except, yeah, and then except for '88 and '72, and when they weren't involved in the Olympics because they were boycotting. Those are the only years they didn't win. But was, but but let's also be clear: '88 was still college players. Right. After '92 was NFL play, or NBA, NBA players, players yeah, right? Exactly. And this is why 2004 was so crazy, is because we actually had NBA players there, and they lost right. to um, I think it was Argentina, and they lost to Puerto Rico in the. They touched on that too, didn't they? They they lost big to Puerto Rico in like their first the first game, the first game of the whole situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I guess they did. They, I I feel like they didn't. Obviously, like the. OJ Made in America and the Last Dance. Those are these like six, seven, eight part documentary series. They had a lot more time to kind of pull out these different uh, underlying stories. You know what I mean? I think so this, I, th- I think this could have been a two, three parter. Yeah, no, I did too. I think they could have they could have made it so much more than what it was. They they, they definitely touched on a lot of different like uh, underlying storylines. It just they did it really quick. Let's let's go a little bit deeper into setting up act one like what is the problem right and then act two maybe your second episode you talk about the development of Mm -hmm. the 08 team and and because it really started right but it wasn't that one year right it's not like they pull them off of the summer or the summer before this this was a four or five year ordeal and they were playing with different players right Right. the team that made the fine the 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 guys that made that final team going into the olympics was much different than than two years prior when they were practicing in uh, Las Vegas. So let's show some of those players. You had Kevin Durant on that, that mm-hmm. court. Let's see how those guys, um, they did touch on like how they developed the team and how, how they um, how were trying Colangelo. to compete. Well, well, yeah. They were trying to compete with the way the Europeans were playing within oh. the FIBA rules, right? Yeah. Why not discuss that strategy and why you selected guys and all these other stuff. I thought yeah. that would have been just amazing to, to uh, talk about. And there's a couple of subplots that I thought that they touched on, but didn't really go deep into. And uh, I thought were really interesting. These were my two key uh, uh, takeaways from this was one, this was the beginning of Kobe 2.0. Yeah. So up to this point, he had been in that court case uh, for Utah, sexual assault yeah. in Colorado. Or Colorado. But... And um, he had essentially been blamed for breaking up the Shaq Kobe Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had um, 
had started with that other team with Pau Gasol and stuff like that during that time frame, but wasn't up to the, there's a lot of like, what was Kobe's legacy talk? So he comes into here and it really looks like him and LeBron's relationship kind of like loosened him up in that scenario. But then he takes that typical like dog in you kind of like attitude that we all know Kobe was famous for and applies that um, with, with also building camaraderie. One yeah. of the things is there's this amazing podcast that uh, on the Ringer Network that um, Bill did in the book of basketball. And it talked about mm-hmm. the, the, the way that players of each generation had pulled in the next key player in and opened their, um, their wisdom and reached out to them and you know, helped them through some of these, helped answer questions, helped you know, reassure them that when they lost, like things were okay. Like um, Isaiah was like crushed when they lost that first championship and um, Bill Russell had reached out to him and basically um, told him like this, this is part of the deal, man, you can do this. And it's that level of camaraderie. And they handed this baton off. It started with Bill Russell and Walt, uh, Wilt Chamberlain. It was Dr. J. It was, in fact, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had reached out to, Co- to Kobe. Kobe took him up on that offer. He had reached out to LeBron, too. He said he didn't really hear back from LeBron. But the fact is, these players actually reach out to the next generation and bring yeah. them into you know, the club, if, as it were. And this is where Kobe started to do that with the younger generation right with, with lebron with d rate with d wade with with um because d wade's from chicago Durant. too you know yeah so, yeah, so I mean. it's like this is where kobe became the beloved kobe was, right. was this time so i thought that was very interesting i would have liked to like hear a little bit more about like what that legacy meant um uh, after that, what that legacy meant to other people yeah. um, in, in the light of Kobe's passing. Also, um, was this the real beginning of the banana boat era? You know, for those that don't yeah. know, there was a, they, these guys went on a vacation together. It was, it was Wade, Bosch, Carmelo, um, Carmelo. No, Bosch wasn't. It was Wade, Carmelo, um, Chris, Chris Paul. Paul and LeBron. LeBron. They all went on vacation, their entire families. And there was this like video or picture with them on one of those banana shaped like boat floaties yeah. where if you can pull behind the boat. If you've seen Jaws, you know what it is. Yeah. So it's this banana boat. I like these guys were the banana boat crew where they all got the together. Banana boat boys. And, 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 you know, conspired essentially to win some championships. And yeah. frankly, it worked in Miami and all that kind of other stuff. Um, so that, that, was the beginning of that particular era. So that was interesting that the relationships and the bonds that they, that they gathered through this experience had really shaped the NBA in a different way. Well, it, it was right that after that too, that uh, Chris Paul tried to get uh, moved from new Orleans to the, to, Lakers. To the Lakers and the NBA shot it down. So it. Yep. Yeah. So I thought they left some, some pretty, and for me, some pretty important fruit, uh, on the tree. I, yeah. I wish they would have kind of dived into that a little bit better. Yeah. But honestly, looking who produced it, it was like LeBron and Maverick Carter yeah, and stuff. It's it really about just obviously Kobe and how he changed, you know, the the landscape for that yeah. team. And then LeBron and, and how he brought Kobe out. So it was really kind of, it was curated. 
And yeah, I, I think, agree. I think that's where I have the problem with it. It was entertaining, though. So I um, can I talk about Jerry Colangelo now? I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of it. They talk about how after 04, it was kind of this – you know, USA basketball was in this kind of conundrum, like kind of decentralized and they, whoever it is that's in charge of it, decided to reach out to Jerry Colangelo. He had just sold uh, his share in the Suns and had been known for, you know, team building and, uh, you know, had, had kind of put together good championship runs on, on the Suns on, um, I can't really, like, I think he'd been involved with a couple of other teams as well yeah. over the years, but he, came in and decided to be like, no, we're going to, if you want to be a part of this thing in 08, you're going to be a part of this thing in 06 and help us get there. They yada yada through like 10 years of that experience. I was like, I want more of yeah. that. Yeah, they, it should have been a, like, it should have been a three or four part documentary. Easily. Talk about your master plan. Right. to accomplish the goal that you set forth to accomplish. Right. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Well, that's I thought it was interesting because I was never a big coach. K- I mean, I just, I have friends that are huge Duke fans. So of course I have to be a hater. Um, never was a huge coach K fan prior to him taking over USA basketball. But at that point you got kind of a different look at him. I felt like, and I always thought at that point when they announced that he was going to be the head coach of USA basketball moving forward, I thought that he was eventually going to take an NBA head coaching job and he never did, uh, which is surprising. But I mean, I guess that it, it seems like he's a lot more genuine than I thought he was. It's hard to tell. Right. But players respond to him, uh, both at the college level and the pro level. Right. Um, and there's something to be said for that. He, he found people again, he brought in experts. He developed a, a game plan. He was teaching these guys how to play a particular type of basketball and they bought in yeah. they believed it. And that's the most difficult. That's what, like we had talked about earlier, a key piece of what it is to be a coach in professional sports For is sure. teaching and getting buy-in to a, a singular vision. Without that, I think you're going to fail every time. And he was able to successfully do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you know, I, I would say it wasn't the greatest documentary I've ever seen by any means by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it was interesting, though. It was an entertaining watch, I felt like. Um, it's nice to see co- some some kind of Kobe footage that I had never seen before. I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. But, um, yeah, Mike, I mean, you got, you got anything else to add? Or, I mean, if people are still listening after our 30-minute uh, uh, <laughs> rundown of the Dream Team. Or Actually, the I got two team more while we're here. Oh, shit, let's yeah. go, man. Let's do it. Yeah, so Jeremy, I wanted to talk about a couple of other shows that I watched. Um, one of them I watched last week, and you know, just in line with my kind of existential uh, journey as of late with some of uh, this prestige TV. And this is the Apple TV show called Severance, uh, season okay. one, obviously on Apple TV. The concept by uh, Dan Erickson submitting a pilot script to Ben Stiller. Um, who obviously decided to produce and direct most of the show. Um, it's a television series starring Adam Scott as the main protagonist. Show features stalwart actors like uh, John Turturro, uh, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette. Essentially what it is, is the idea is that severance means they sever their, um, their consciousness into two parts. So it's the part of the person who lives their life you know, goes to the grocery store, 
uh, goes out and hangs out with their family, and then the part that goes to work. So there's a surgery that actually implants, um, it's kind of a sci-fi type of situation. There's a surgery that implants some sort of device that once they pass through a threshold in the elevator, that basically resets your work person, your work uh, persona. Uh -huh. So essentially that work person will leave at 5.15 in the evening, go up the elevator, and the next thing they remember is when that door opens in the elevator. They have no idea what happened when they're not down in this interesting part of of the of their work. So is it, and it goes both ways. Like when they're like they don't remember like their the home life. The, yeah, the, let's call them the people up top. Yeah, they don't know what happened at work that day. Okay. So it's not really important what the people are doing when they're down in this thing. There's they pick some arbitrary like. Um, um, Thing that they're doing on a computer like filing you know looking through code or whatever but it, it it's kind of a uh, it, it, it really doesn't matter yeah, to the storyline gotcha. um, but this idea that given enough time the, the the people down the people at work start to develop their own personality and want to have some independence and identity outside of what they perceive their they call them outies which are the people up you know out in the world and then the innies so the innies were ended up start to find their existential journey about what they wanted out of life and and what and they started to fight their way out because they didn't want to be there anymore but every day they would keep showing up so they wanted to like get messages to the outies to stop doing this so okay. that they 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 could be back with themselves again. Oh. It was just the concept was crazy, and it was so. It's one of those shows where it was like I had no idea what was going on, and I was like on the edge of my seat um, through each one of these episodes. And it really it ends in like episode nine, just an amazing crescendo kind of like. The problem with it is it is a series, so I, we have to wait till season two to come out to really get some. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's over. Right. You have to get some questions answered in season two. Yeah. So, but, okay. I mean, I would definitely recommend it. And the other thing that I watched. I is, definitely want to check that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah check go it ahead. Out. Yeah. The other thing I, I watched this week um, was a Netflix documentary, docu-series, really, called GameStop. Uh, the rise of the players. Ooh, I have. I just started that. Like, Dude. I only watched like the first few, like probably first thirty minutes of it. So, for those who don't know, it's basically the story of the short squeeze employed by retail investors uh, via the Robinhood app to pump up the stock, uh, the price of the GameStop stock, and destroy uh, hedge fund short positions, and kind of what the strategy and how that happened, and what does it mean for trading and all that kind of other stuff. And, and, you know, it's it's really delivered in a way where that even if you're not like a quote unquote finance person, you should be able to understand what, you know, the basic concepts of what's happening. So I thought it was a really intriguing look about the financial system, capitalism in America, um, the people that feel entitled to certain things like the like really the hedge fund people are the antagonists of this story right. um, and kind of like they're okay with like destroying the economy in 2008 but when somebody flips that on them they're looking for regulation and all this other stuff so there's a, a certain smugness 
to a lot of these hedge fund guys. Like they serve a purpose in the world and things like that. Um, and I'm sure they believe that, but it's just a really, really cool, like, man, we stuck it to the man type of that's awesome. feeling to it. So I would definitely recommend this as well. Stick with it, man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna finish that up. Um, yeah, and if any if anybody is still listening, we appreciate you. And uh, we, we hope you uh, subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast. We, uh, you know, we do it for for the love of the game. And, uh, yeah, I hope, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I guess, Mike, next week we will be back, man. Yep. Jeremy, true wisdom comes to each of us when we realize how little we understand about podcasting, football, and the betting world around us. Couldn't agree more.